All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Nasty Knuckles, the Hockey Outlaws Podcast, with your host, Terry Nasty Sotomayor and former Philadelphia Flyer Enforcer Riley Cote as they go behind the scenes with your favorite NHL players. Time to face off. All right, welcome back. What's happening, Nasty? What's up, Rigorelli? It's been a while since we've been, been in the old while. stew. It has. Debo and his broken headphones and baller. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a minute. We had a we had a week off there. Um, some complications, not with us, but uh, with some guests. But anyway, just getting back from Arizona with you. Fuck, you were there about a good eighteen hours. <laughs> in I'm and there, out, I'm there four days. Um, Soaking up the Arizona sun. Uh, it was awesome, man. Uh, went with our good friends from Tovey. Tovey Hockey, uh, in all honesty, great show. It was. Um, yeah. So much well traffic uh, through our area and uh, a lot of heat, a lot of people talking about it. You know, once I think they once they saw some of these players uh, with it in their hand and actually getting the feedback, you know, from TJ Oshie, Johnny Carlson, just to mention a couple guys. Um the words traveled, and it was it was nice to see. It is, yeah, and I'll, I'll say too, this little presentation that uh, we did there uh, to the trainers, yes, the equipment managers, to actually talk about the science and 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 the functionality of the technology certainly helps plant yeah, the seeds 100%. that are not coming up to the booth, and then asking and you know trying to learn about it there in real time. So I think that helps, but also having. You know, re- real-time NHL guys have used the stick and, and, you know, talking about their experience certainly helps. So, yeah, I think this is the year NAS. I do, too. I mean, and, you know, it wasn't just, oh, okay, yeah, check it. They were like, no, we want you to come in. We want you to come to development camps, to yep. training camp. And, um, the, you know, there's a lot of a lot of talk about the stick. And it's funny the way Richard kind of explained it. He's like, it's it's the iPhone yeah. sticks. And it, it kinda, we kind of laughed about it, but... It really is because this technology, once these guys, more and more guys get it in their hand, uh, again, I'm not a guy that can shoot a hockey puck very well. You you can, but just the feel, and we've talked about this a, a million times, I really think this is the year. I mean, I know it's the year, actually. Yeah, um, I know it too. You, you know, we've got we've got some guys we know about it that are just raving and, and love it. So, But like you said, the technology, 
from a foam cord sick, which we've talked about, uh, and this, it, it's not even close. Yeah. It really isn't. And, and I think before too long, you're going to see, you know, I don't want to get greedy, but, you know, 35, 40% of guys move into this technology. I agree. And other companies, the only thing is they can't copy it. They'll have to create their own patented version of that technology. But I think going to that, you know, that full piece carbon fiber blade and and getting away from the foam, as you mentioned, would you say that it's a transition from a flip phone to an iPhone? I would say it. It definitely is. I know you're still using a Flipsy, but because uh, yours is never on, I uh, can't seem to find him, eh, boys? Like, we need him. But, uh, oh, boy. I, I did uh, find him the one morning doing yoga. And you're, sleeping, you're sleeping in. Sleeping? I was awake. You text me at 530. You're like, I was surprised you were awake. I yeah, was up. Well, I was getting after it, and you were uh, watching me get after it. I was out running in the desert heat. Were you? Oh, yeah. Well, maybe not that morning, but I did. (laughs) Um, But anyway, great trip. Uh, You know, our buddies, Aaron Krause and Brian and Richard, uh, we had a blast. So it was nice to get out there and see all the equipment guys, a lot Mm -hmm. of our buddies. A couple scares there too, Nast, eh? Yeah, yeah, a couple scares. Keeping guys on their toes? (laughs) Yeah, I was hiding, doing some things. (laughs) (laughs) Just laying in the the weeds. I I really thought Richard was going to drop. I was a little worried. He always killed him. (laughs) Did but, he always uh, had the big one? I uh, <laughs> pure terror on his face. I I should have. How did you phone, not have your phone? Was, I was a. I just screwed. That was up. a huge faux pas. Well, because I ran in quickly. But yeah, anyway, yeah. we'll still maybe post that. But it's just not as good as you if you could have seen his face. Yeah, um, it was great. But time. Uh, great time. Thanks to Toby. Um, can't wait to see where we go here in the in the future. I think it's looking very very positive. Obviously, but. Uh, in hockey news, the Flyers traded her good friend of the show, Kevin Hayes. AZ. Gonna miss that dude. What just such yep. a good human. And um good luck to him, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm happy. I think everybody kinda knows he Yeah, I think that was inevitable. Here and um fortunately a few guys are saying that, but um I think it'll be good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Some uh an opportunity to to have a fresh start and in a new relationship with the coach he's and gonna team. love chief man oh, i could just yeah. hear these two going at it oh yeah oh god i that, that'll be fun to watch chiefs chiefs excited to have him so. yeah no i uh i think it's good for him you know we, we used to talk about this with provy you know yeah sometimes guys get to a point in their career on a certain team that it's just the just not working right you know just doesn't seem to evolve the way it's supposed to and then you're going to have a fresh start somewhere else kind of revive yeah. you and it, new it, opportunity it, exactly and his agent alluded to you know things really started going south in december and he was unhappy and um he's been through a lot in the last you know couple of years mm-hmm. obviously so i think going there Chief's so funny, so positive. I mean, yep. he demands a lot from you, and I don't think Hazy's afraid of that. But uh, I look for him to have a really good year. And, yeah. And uh, for the Blues, with the Flyers keeping half that salary, that's that's could turn out to be a really good thing for, for uh, Chief and the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it was inevitable that it was going to happen, and, um, you know, there's no way that Hazy and Torts are going to be in the same locker room. No. Um, but I think... You you, you got to eat some salary sometime to, yep. to, to to make a move, and I think that's what they were forced to do. And I wish him the best. Good yep. dude. Yeah, He'll for do sure. Well. Love you, Hollywood. Yeah, I'm sure there's uh, more to come. Yeah. I know there was. Uh, yep. we, we we talk about it with Frank on on the pod, but you know there it was a a larger deal that was in play that obviously got squashed. Right. Um, no one's yep. really sure of the, the the exact pieces there, but I'm sure you know whether it's tomorrow today on free agency yeah and or the next few days after that i'm sure there'll be some more movement so yeah for sure i don't think danny b's done yet i don't i don't either and then you know debo our our insiders is uh he's he's on the computer clicking away and he's got <laughs> yeah on the phone and he's he's thinks it's going to be really busy here for the Flyboys. i still think we need I still think we need to get him a new set of headphones for his birthday or Christmas. <laughs> Baller, please post them on the Debo, the damn thing's hanging down. And Headphones are expensive. <laughs> hey, we'll go. 
<laughs> All the well, money we, we, you're we, making we, here, we, and you can't, <laughs> you can't get a new set. We're gonna get him a new and set. And your damn best buddy here is just letting you sit there. <laughs> Baller's like, screw it, man. I look good. I'm not worried about it. But I will say this: we have to, we have to talk about the draft. Obviously, we have our good friend Frank Sarvalli coming on, but. I, I think we need a contest, and I think, Baller, you're going to have to do it, and you may not like this, but I want to know. I think we should put out there the people. Who was more excited about the first pick? Chris Mayer, our good friend, or Baller? Both <laughs> reactions were, we're going side mean, by side. I thought, like, like you would think we're going to win the cup next year. Like, next year. We, we might. <laughs> it's always just a like chance. Calgary, just like Calgary's building that back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Calgary, it's almost done. <laughs> uh, but I think we need to have a contest baller where where we put it up there to you. Debo was high, so he didn't get as excited. <laughs> and he had one ear. I don't think he heard everything because his ear thing was down. But uh, I think we need to put that up. Have a little I think contest. We, I, I think so. Uh, no, it was great though. And, and, and you know what? Big balls, Danny, man. I love I yeah. love that pick because you never know what could happen. But this guy's a game changer. We all know it. You've seen the highlights. Not um, bad. Not bad. Kind of looks like you. Man, and he's got mitts like mine. Let's not lie. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. But um, I was pumped too, like because you know, like they're they're showing the fans the you know the team. They mean business, man, and yeah. they're doing and they're doing it the right way. You know, you hate to see guys go. I know we're going to see more guys go, um, but uh, if you're going to do it. This is what has to happen, right? Mm-hmm. But that that was a great pick. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm looking forward for to see how that one plays out. Uh, obviously, a few years away. Yeah, uh, but it'll be you know perfect time in the rebuild for him to come in and insert himself and be you know that impact player that expecting him to be. So, yeah, oh Michi, oh oh Mitchy Mitch, you know Michi Mitch. <laughs> um, yeah, so. yeah. So. Excited about that, and then uh, you know, or a good friend, uh, Mike Canubo. Yeah, Canuble. Can't yeah. believe it. Yeah, <laughs> can't believe he has a son that's draft eligible. We got him. We got him. Flyboys got him. <laughs> uh, when we were at the Flyer Alumni Tournament last week Monday, he told me that uh, Cole was, was you know available, and uh, that that's really cool. That the Flyers, you know, grab him. So yeah, um, congrats to noobs and yeah. noobs. Little noobs, Cole <laughs> used to be running around in the locker room. I know, right? Probably wouldn't even recognize him when I once I see him. I know, but uh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, and also wanted to uh, give a shout out to our friend John Stevens. Yes, third Stanley Cup. Does this guy just win? Like, <laughs> sure seems. I like mean, it. Calder Cups. You know, as a player, as a coach. You know, three Stanley Cups um, as a coach. You know, I think we talked about it. The one time, like, um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get a few offers. I don't know what's available. Yeah, was, but like, we talked I, about that. Yeah, yeah. Is, 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 is he just like an amazing assistant coach? And then just, you just, you know, I mean, obviously yeah. the, the head coaching job is is tough because you need to be hired in a position where you have some horses, right? I right, mean, otherwise, right. it doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are and, you know, what, what you know um, doesn't translate. But, He's in some good situations as as assistant coaches, and yeah. and you know obviously had major success. It's just yes. uh, you know I, I'd like to see him like get another head coaching job. I've always loved Johnny. Yeah, me too. I mean, you talk about a pro and, and structure and detail and passion. I mean, cares all about the, yeah, you. just all cares those yeah. boxes checked. Um, but you know that being said, there's a lot of guys that are like Johnny in the right. sense that are. You know, check all the boxes, right? Yeah. Love the game, structure, discipline, professional. Um, I guess it's just about getting that opportunity and and, and riding with it. But uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wish him the best. Maybe he has the cup down the down the beach, down the shore there I'm, again. I'm sure he will. Yeah, probably have to pop in there. Yeah, Debo, you good with that? Just do not wear your headset that day. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna take care of that situation, bro. <sighs> Didn't that come from you breaking it because of your boy? Bo? Horvat. Horvat, my boy Horvat. Uh, Unfortunately. <laughs> it happens. You get a little frustrated. You get frustrated. Yeah. It's it, I understand. I understand. Um, real quick, uh, also just want to thank, you know, the Flyer Alumni Tournament. We had a great yeah, time. Our buddies amazing. from Clear came. You played out of your mind. You saw the crowd and the clip oh, put up. Just cheering. Just going nuts. I thought Full Tiggy, support. I thought Tiger was out there. Oh. 
Felt like it. Like you were putting like him. I was. I got a lot of good guidance from uh, my <laughs> couple of my caddies. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Uh, it was, that was uh, a it was, it was a fun day. Thanks, Baller Debo, yeah. for uh, helping out. But I, we, we we do need to work on your guys' golf attire. I will say that we did get some. Uh, we got some pushback from the country club there. <laughs> we might not be welcome back. <laughs> we might not be able to go back. But uh, ball, or, uh, sorry, sorry, Baller Debo. I I will say this: when it's ninety five out, you probably should wear a black t shirt, black hat, and dark gray jeans. Very <laughs> <laughs> He didn't get the memo. He didn't get the memo. Oh. The, the five hour. But forecast. you freshened up for afterwards. You guys look good. You had your polos on. Looked sharp. Yeah. That was a good time. Probably the best. <laughs> I said to Tebo, dude, we, I've never been to a You couldn't even drive. You couldn't <laughs> go to a country club. You couldn't drive the golf either. cart I don't, either. I don't either, Debo. He couldn't get her in park. He couldn't reverse it. <laughs> yeah, like, are you serious? Like, like, are you Austin serious? Powers. He's like, I've never been in one of these. <laughs> it was a good time. You're oh, the yeah. man. You're the man, Debo. Yeah. Um, but uh, we had a great time, and uh, pre- it was great seeing a lot, lot of guys there. Obviously. Yeah, it was um, nice turnout. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Lots of fun. Look forward to the next one. Yeah. Next year at that golf tournament will be the next time I play. So <laughs> we'll try to get you out one more. At least summer. one. Well, so Just be, one more. I'll be extra good next year. Yeah, you'll be really good if you get another round in. That was the best outing I've ever had. Nest. You, you, you did you short did game. Well. Short game well. was surprising. Short game good. was really good. Really was. Drives. Whew. That was pretty ugly. That was pretty that ugly. That was awful, too. But um, it was fun. It's it was all good matters. Time. Yep. We're ready to rock your nest. I think we're ready. Episode 121 with our friend Frank Cervelli. Yes. You ready? Let's go. Let's go. Welcome back. I'm Riley Cote. And I'm Derek Settlemeyer. And this week has been a crazy week, crazy a little week. bit in hockey. Uh, we have our great friend on, NHL Insider. Uh, host of Daily Faceoff Live, and I believe a new owner in stock at Tootsie's in Nashville, <laughs> or one of the places. Frank Saravalli, what's up, brother? What a town. I seem to remember at one point in my life having a night with you in, in Nashville. Uh, yes, I remember. I remember. And uh, yeah, that town bites back. It's kind of... Uh, it's like adult Disneyland. I mean, yeah, right. I, I don't know if you've been there recently, but they've got a new, they've got all sorts of crazy setups there now. You know, it just keeps expanding, and you know, the each place you walk into, the next level you go to, it gets a little bit crazier. And then yeah, you we're... step outside, and there's like they now have uh, little portable carts that sell edibles and gummies there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you find we were, yourself we were, in one. We were just there uh, last year with our with our buddies, fans of Philly, and uh, whoo, yeah, it was a, it was a good few days. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wears on you. Yeah, man, and, and and you know you actually have to have your mind sharp too for what you're doing. So uh, <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, I'd say for the first time in a long time, uh, after round one of the draft on Wednesday night, I was just zonked. I I could not. I couldn't bring myself to walk down to Broadway. I it was like <laughs> left the rink at 1130. And finally, for once in my life, a good boy, I felt like I should have earned a tip for that. <laughs> uh, just go, go back and uh, order some room service and go to bed. That's, yeah, that's impressive, man. I, I've told myself I'm going to do it, but then I get one in me and it's like, just so once it hits your, your lips, lips yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you kind of get revamped. But uh yeah. man, so you had a great you had a good time there anyway. Um I guess I'd start off with uh the Flyers. Um Danny Briere, what, what were your thoughts on that pick uh at number seven? I think Matvey Michkov is a grand slam upper deck home run for Danny Briere and the Philadelphia Flyers. I think watching him play and getting a real sense of the player and his impact is incredibly impressive. I think he's one of those picks that you're going to have four to five other teams really rue the, the missed opportunity in five years time. And I think what I like most about the pick is that for what the flyers are embarking on with this rebuild and the grand vision that Danny Breer has to get the flyers back into being a contender is Matvey Michkov is almost idiot proof. Mm. Like the flyers wow. have 
had some hits and misses in the draft. But then there's also been questions about it's great to pick a player, but then you have to develop him and get him to the NHL. And the fact that you're going to basically have to have hands off for the next few years um, and have him come over when he's ready in 2026, when his contract is up, that's a real plus. And then on top of that, that's when you get to begin the entry level contract and the significant cap savings that you get for an impact guy that steps right into your lineup. So the timeline lines up. I think the player is an unbelievable find to, you know, this guy is going to be a star. He's going to be the next Kirill Kaprizov, the next Nikita Kucherov, whoever it might be. He's that good. He had all of the talent to be in any normal year. He'd be the number one overall pick and teams would have said, Hey, I'm willing to go with whatever the risk is in order to get this player. Here's the funny thing. I actually just, I don't think there's any risk. He wants to play in the NHL. There's no question. And now finally the Flyers got an opportunity to meet with him twice in the last week that really kind of put their minds at ease. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, you mentioned no risk. That was going to be my next question. Any concerns around it? Uh, do you do you see the ability to potentially buy him out of that contract? Is that even a possibility? So I checked in with the league on that possibility um, on Thursday. And the answer to that is, is it possible? Yes. In fact, um, I wrote a story a number of years back about Kucherov and his journey over and him also being a little bit of a later pick, much later than seven, um, even though the talent was there because teams were afraid of his contract and Mm. because teams were unsure about the player, I think you've taken that situation and because of the socio-political world that we're living in now, it's ratcheted up a bit because it's Russia. And so um, can they buy him out? Yes. And would the NHL then allow him to sign a contract to play for the Flyers? The answer is yes, but the league would need to see some proof that the contract was satisfied because the league isn't isn't in any position to be uh, allowing players that are still actively under contract with other leagues to come over and play in the NHL. So um, right. I, I personally, going back to the timeline, why would you? Unless yeah. you're, unless he's asking you to and dying to get out of there, which I, I don't have any sense that's the case, allow him to be comfortable, be at home and and grow at his own pace while the Flyers are just kind of still tearing this thing down to the studs. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously playing with men uh, on the larger ice surface. And, I mean, it, the developmental piece is happening organically for him. Uh, but, yeah, why why rush it, really? I mean, now is not necessarily the time that you you need him, yeah. you well, know, you, so. You'd be burning the first couple of years of his contract exactly. kind of for no reason. The Flyers aren't really even trying to be good yet. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's a really good point. Would you say, Frank? Would you say, Frank, out of the draft, out of the, or maybe even the first round, was that the biggest surprise, or did it not really surprise you? No, I think Leo Carlson going number two to Anaheim surprised me because the Ducks bypassed in Adam Fantilli. I, I think he's a ready-made star. Not to say Carlson can't be. Carlson might be the more complete player. Like the Ducks guys were telling me that they think he can be a Selkie winner at, at uh, center and be the next sort of Patrice Bergeron type player. And what an unbelievable guy to find. But in Fantilli, I just, I look at the historic numbers that he put up at Michigan and I see that he's got a little bit of bite and edge to his game, not afraid to mix it up. He's got a little bit of size. Like that's the guy that I'd love to get my hands on down the middle for building your team. So I, I guess, look, um, Everyone wants to grade draft classes right after, which I think is the funniest thing about media. It's like, we can do that in five years. Don't ask (laughs) me before then, because we'll know what Leo Carlson is then, and we'll know what Adam Fantilli is and Matt Vemichkoff. But from a surprise perspective for the Flyers, um, I got a sense late last week that he was someone that they were really seriously considering. And in fact, Um, I mentioned Monday to start off the week that he was one player that they had targeted and talked to other teams about the potential of moving up. I know they called San Jose 
and Montreal and ask the question, what would it take for us to get to number four or five overall? Uh, because they had him in mind. Obviously, you're not telling the team which player you're going to pick. But then the Flyers started doing their calculus of, well, if we just do nothing, is there a chance that this guy could land in our lap? And the board broke perfectly. The Canadians were also considering um, potentially sliding back from number five. They had their eyes on David Reinbacher and they got their defenseman. Oh, easy for you to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor, poor, kid, poor Carey Price. That's yeah. what I was saying. Oh. Poor guy, man. I felt that so was a bad. tough, tough moment. <laughs> I, so I, I was a little backstory. I had traded messages with, um, with Kent Hughes uh, on the draft floor. And I said, uh, I was asking, Hey, are you keeping the pick? Or are you trading it? And he, he sent a, a message back that said, Sorry, I was practicing my French, and I said, maybe you should have had Carrie Price practice as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, I man, I felt ter- like terrible for to, him. I had to throw that in there. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, like, how'd that work out for Claude Giroux? Pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. exactly. Yes, yeah, exactly. I had to show Elvis. I told him that we were watching, and I said, Mr. Clark did that with Claude. He goes, show me. So, of course, I had to show him. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, you're right. It did work out well for G. Hey, I heard, uh, I heard Elvis is a little, little podcast star now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, they shot in here the other day. You can't hear a damn thing. They use their phone. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was we're, watching. We're gonna have to get that part of the Nation Network of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, get that uh, on hockey fights. Woo. Yeah, right. Yeah. Get the kids' pods going. Yeah, uh, they're funny. A little different um, perspective. Well, speaking of the Flyers, uh. Like there's some names like we heard about this trade supposedly with with St. Louis last week. Um, do you think is there interest in Travis Sanheim even with this eight year deal? You know that's going to start this year. Yeah, I think there is, and I think when you look at the market and particularly the free agent market, and you see Damon Severson go from New Jersey to Columbus and signs pretty much the identical deal that Sanheim did it. And I think Sanheim's a, a better player. Like I think, you know, 25 out of 31 teams are picking Sanheim over Severson different players, but I think Sanheim has, you know, more to give. And so as onerous as that contract is for the flyers, it's not really that big of a deal for other teams. I think that are trying to reshape their defense core. And for me, two teams in particular stand out. We don't know what the Calgary Flames are doing quite yet in terms of all the pieces that they're moving, but Noah Hannafin is going to be on his way out, and whether it's now or whether it's at some point before the deadline. And I just, you know, I remember going to visit Travis Sanheim after the Flyers picked him, and he was playing for the Calgary Hitmen. And I think right. what an easy fit that would be for a team that's looking for that type of player. And if you're thinking about Sanheim and his, you know, no trade clause that kicks in um, on Saturday, you're, you're thinking that's probably a team that's a pretty good fit for him. And then I'm also thinking the Winnipeg Jets, a team that really struggles to sign free agents. Would the Elkhorn Manitoba native be willing to go there? Like that seems to be a fit for me too. So those are two teams in particular that I have an eye on for Sanheim. And I think, look, this next, honestly, I believe Friday later today is going to be fascinating before the Flyers lose some of that um, flexibility that they have to send them where they want because that deal is already signed. Hmm. Again, I don't think it's a huge roadblock, but I do think, you know, there's some intrigue in terms of the next days and weeks to get something like that done. The Flyers don't have to do it, but it doesn't really make any sense to pay a defenseman for the next eight years when you're just starting your rebuild. Right. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, the insight on, on Calgary, Winnipeg is, uh, is, is uh, some, good, some good info. Um, we, we wanted to talk to you about Calgary. I mean, I'm not shifting gears too much here, but like what's going on there and, and, you know, having a hard time attracting players. I mean, I obviously Sanheim in this case has a relationship with the city from his junior days, but uh, you know, what's, what's going on there? Well, it's kind of a mess. Um, Craig Conroy has a lot to sift through there and he's just on the job for a few weeks and it's kind of like stepping into a new role, your head spinning. And then all of a sudden a bunch of players step forward and hit you in the face with a two by four. Yeah, um, right. The Tyler Toffoli trade was a little bit more imminent because he had asked for one and really seemed to to be pushing to get out. And it was also an easy trade to make because his value way exceeded his cap hit and he's coming off of a career year and is going to make a lot of sense in New Jersey. Um, the other guys that are left standing mentioned Hannafin uh, Michael Backlund has kind of dug his heels in a bit and the flames haven't actually even been able to present him with a contract offer. Um, and after 15 years, the one holdover that actually still played with Craig Conroy, they're going to try and convince him to stay. I think he's going to be on the move. And then when it comes to Elias Lindholm, they're waiting on clarity. Like they've put a massive offer on the table for Elias Lindholm to sign and stay when I say massive, like we're talking like $65 million plus. Wow. And he's not sure what he wants to do. He's told them, thank you. I, I appreciate it, but I need to get back to you. And mm. the longer that lingers, the more speculation grows. And it's not just because we're talking about it. It's because other teams are hearing that Lindholm is unlikely to resign there. And if that's the case, really what it boils down to for the Flames is they have a decision to make. Are we going to bring these guys back for the final year of their deal and put the pressure on them to perform in a contract year? Or are we going to bite the bullet, rip the Band-Aid off, and get these guys moving uh, and send them somewhere else to begin reshaping our team? Yeah. Hmm. Seems like you, you said that. It's a, it's a mess. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that's a serious conundrum. To you, so. um, you know, I'll go back to the Flyers here for a second. Uh we had heard rumors about uh, Scott Lawton being moved. Like, I, I guess it would make sense just because of his age and, and you know, how long this, I don't know how long this rebuild is going to take, but are you hearing anybody that is interested? I would, I would assume there's a lot of teams. Well, I think his value is probably his increased since probably, the, um, you know, the season and the, the world championships there. Yeah, it has. And he's just sort of the consummate on a contending team, ideal third line center. And his cap hit is reasonable. I love how he reinvented himself in his game. You remember a few years back in his development, he had played almost three years in the NHL and they decided to send him back to the Phantoms. And he, he just totally remade himself, became you know less focused on points and stressing about offensive production and really learned how to play, I hate the phrase, but the 200-foot game. Yeah. Um, he, he really became that important piece for the flyers. And unfortunately with the way the flyers are going, he has more value to other teams than he does the flyers. I was actually a bit surprised that 
the St. Louis Blues didn't grab him because I know that they had talked about him. I know that they had put an offer on the table that was quite enticing, and they ended up going the Kevin Hayes route. And I'm surprised only because I guess when you look at the production from Hayes, who also plays pretty well defensively and can kill penalties, there's higher upside at 3.6 million bucks than the ceiling that exists for Scott Lawton at three. But at the same time, I can tell you that Doug Armstrong, the Blues GM, found Scott Lawton to be incredibly impressive from his you know time at the World Championships that I thought that that would be a guy that they would target. Sure. I mean, right. who's looking for centers? Uh, you know, <laughs> go down the list in the league. There's a third, if not half the teams are in the market for one at varying price points. And I think the Flyers have had no shortage of, of interest, but have had a tough time pulling the trigger because they think there's a nice premium that's on Scott Lawton based on the cap hit, the uh, term that he has left that really provides some cost certainty and really the assets that the Flyers would get in terms of where they're heading. Right. Yeah. Was it, was his name lumped in that, you know, that, that four, that four player, well, floor four flyer player deal going to St. Louis before Tory Krug didn't, uh, didn't agree to waiving his no, no movement clause. Is that, was that Not what you were hearing? From my knowledge. No. So that was a totally separate deal. I think was... they talked about that before they had engaged in, in something on Hayes and the rest of that package. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I could have seen a lot of interest there, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask also, sorry, Ross. Uh, what was your thoughts on the Provorov trade? You know, the Provorov trade is interesting because I think he's going to go to Columbus and be way better than he was in Philly. And I think part of that is a change of scenery. Part of that is the fact that he's not going to be asked to do as much. I mean, with the Flyers and, and the defense core that they have, um, there's really a lot of pressure on him, not just to perform, but to do a lot of the heavy lifting. And when you can have, you know, Zach Wierenski play in front of you in the lineup, uh, the guy that was coincidentally picked with the selection after you in the draft, and you were kind of compared to for a while. And if you think back to the beginning of their careers, the way Provorov stepped into the NHL, he was actually like a, a notch above Wierenski in terms of where they were trending. And I don't know what happened to Provorov. Um, I don't know if he grew frustrated with what was happening, if he just didn't have the proper support around him on the ice. Um, but I think there's more there. And in that vein, I, I think the Flyers didn't really get enough because I think if you hang on to him a bit more, um, I just thought maybe you could get more. And right. I guess my, my intrigue is in the timing of it. Like, was there something that the Flyers were just like, look, we got to move this guy and we don't want to head into next season with him again that maybe that's what that produces, but it was more so not necessarily what they got for Provorov, but when you size the whole deal up, the contracts that they took on in Cal Peterson and Sean Walker, it's almost 8 million bucks in cap space. And I understand that Danny Briere and the Flyers are trying to weaponize the cap space that they have. But when you consider like, okay, so the Chicago Blackhawks, on Thursday, got a second round pick to take on Josh Bailey's $5 million deal. The Flyers basically only got a first and what, two seconds for the yeah. whole thing for those two contracts plus Provorov. And then you think back to what Columbus paid for uh, or Columbus got for Gavrikov. Basically, the Kings were able to get off of the, that $8 million bucks for a second and prospect Helga Granz, who, depending on who you talk to, is a C-level prospect that, you know, people think can be an NHL player, but is not. He's he's He was compared to me to be Marcus Nudevara, if you know him. Uh, basically, just your sort of five, six, seven defenseman. So, a second, and that prospect, I don't know. To me, like, I, I felt like, 
there's something off in the equation, whether it's they didn't get enough from the Kings to take on the contracts or they didn't get enough for Provorov to smash the whole thing together. It just kind of left me wanting more. And that's mostly due to how I view Provorov. Like, I just think he's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's I agree. interesting the way you broke that down, actually. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, oh, we got all this. But when you really break it down, like you're saying, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So I, I actually had this conversation with a GM at the draft about how fans in general, and in fact, it's mostly media driven, get enamored by the idea of first and second round picks. So like, let's go to that Toffoli trade. Fans were bellyaching in Calgary about not getting a first round pick for Toffoli. Why did we get Sharon Govich and a third? And I think the Flames could have gotten a late first round pick from someone for Toffoli. Hmm. But the Flyers got number 22 overall as part of this deal. And when you look at the draft from a statistical lens, like are there guys in the 20s that become stars and impact players? Like the Flyers feasted on that um, in the early 2000s, drafting really good players in that range. But by and large, once you get past pick 14 or 15, it's essentially flip a coin as to whether or not that guy ends up playing 200 games in the NHL. Hmm. And my thought process is it's important for the Flyers, especially in this deep draft, to collect as many assets as they can. And maybe Bonk will end up being something really interesting for them. Um, But maybe not. Yeah. There's no guarantee and I, you know, you need to take the chance in the rebuild, but that's the other part of the rebuild is like, I love the idea that the Flyers are doing something different than they've ever done. But at the same time, there's, you know, I'm wearing a Sixers, you know, hoodie. They're, they're a perfect reminder that the rebuild doesn't always go the way you want it to. Right. That's right. Right. You need a lot of luck and you need a lot of things to have happen for you. Yeah, that's the truth. That, that's true. That is true. What, what's the Flyers goalie situation look like down the road with, with Carter Hart and then obviously picking two goalies? What do you see there? Yeah, so the Flyers did get some um, calls on Carter Hart going back a number of weeks. I think it's been pretty quiet of late. And I think, and I've mentioned this, part of the reason for it is I don't think anyone's going to be trading for any, like this is not necessarily Carter Hart specific. I don't think anyone's trading for anyone that played on the 2018 team Canada world junior team until right. there's some kind of report. Right. So that's been one holdup. I think, um, I think the flyers are open to anything. I, I was told that the best way to explain it is the only untouchable, the only player that the flyers won't move for any reason is cutter Gauthier. And, and that makes sense. So everyone else sort of has varying price points from, you know, connect me and heart to, you know, go down the, to the bottom of the list and other guys that, you know, they'd consider moving. Um, they've got options and I love that they took some goalies. Like, yeah. Yeah. I've been saying this forever. It's the most important position in the sport. And the fact that more goalies aren't taken higher in the draft, we didn't have a first round goalie taken this year. Get as many as you can, and you know if some of them pan out, awesome. Use them, and if not, you've got some incredible trade value and commodities to send somewhere else. That the best problem that you can have is that you've you've got um, some great goalies in your pipeline that teams are always looking for. So sure. I I just think you build your team personally uh, from the net out. And I think the Flyers have really, you know, driven and focused on that idea of goalie and a really smart mobile defense that's, you know, fits the 2023 style of game. Yeah, that that's uh, you're so right, Frank. And the other thing I want to ask you too about about Carter, obviously, you know, there's been talk about what you were the the World Junior Team. Um, is it dangerous to trade him though? And the reason I'm asking this is because you finally, we think we finally got a, a real number one goalie. Like every team has a number one goalie, but there, I think in my opinion, there's only a few real number one goalies. I feel like he is. 
he's only going to be 27 in three years. Like, do you think like it's a dangerous thing? Because you don't really know. I know Samuel uh, Urson had a, had some good games, but he only played about nine or ten games. Yeah, like you're taking a huge risk, are you not? If you do move him, well, there's no doubt that it. You may be chasing to find the next Carter Hart as soon as you move him, and there is the risk in that. But there also is the risk. There's two parts of it. One, if you, you if you keep him, one he plays too well and essentially gets in the way of what you're trying to accomplish, which is to bottom out. That's a (laughs) a great point. And two, that there's so much losing and so much that goes on around him in the meantime, that by the time you get closer to where you want to get to, he's worn out. And I don't mean just from seeing so many shots, but just emotionally, mentally, it's a tough, it's a, like, it's a lot to ask of someone to be in that spot. Yeah. You know, how do you think John Gibson feels the last three or four years in Anaheim, just right. getting absolutely pummeled with shots on a nightly basis and having knowing when you walk into the rink every day that you have no like next to no chance to win? Yeah, that's that's, that's not fun. It's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. Not fun. yeah, it sucks. Yeah. And guess what? Yeah. John Gibson's asked for a trade, and right. I've reported that, and he's said. I am not playing another game for the Anaheim Ducks. Wow. It's bold. Wow. So that. that's yeah. that's a kind of what you back yourself into if you end up going down this path and it's you know more scorched earth than not. You risk also devaluing the asset because his numbers start to go down or whatever it might be. No one's questioning that he's a good goalie. And to answer the other part of, of where you see him, I think teams around the league think that there's like six really good, put your head on the pillow at night and sleep soundly if you're a GM, not have to wonder with your guy in net. It's like Vasilevsky, Sorokin, Saros, Shesterkin. Um, it's a really small group. Hellebuck is in there. Yeah. And then the next tier down is Carter Hart, Thatcher Demko, these other guys that are out there that have a ton of skill that are going to give you, you know, better, much better than league average goaltending, but aren't quite at that same next, you know, elite of the elite level that are in the Vezina conversation every year. So that's kind of the exciting part for whoever might be interested in Carter Hart is that, it usually takes goalies until right around their his age now to even kind of make it to the NHL. He's already got that footing behind him and the experience that if he can also just, and I don't think I'm telling any tales out of school here. Like I think he needs to grow up a little bit. And I think that that's been part of what the conversation has been. They'd like to see a little bit of maturity from him that can allow him to take his game to the next level. Yeah, that's great insight. Good, good point, yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, we'll see how that one plays out. But I see your, I see your point there on uh, devaluing the, you know, the asset there, and you know, see how this thing plays out. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I, it's a, it's, it's a tough crazy. one because you know, you we go look back at Bob Roski, and if it happens again, it's like you know, you're looking at uh, potentially another. Uh, another goal that kind of falls through the cracks there, but uh, well, that like, that was a fuck up of a whole different yeah yeah right level. yeah yeah and yeah. that was <laughs> yeah. a million like I was there for all that and that was a million different things going on. Part of it, like what hurts so much more about Bobrovsky is the Flyers were trying to be good. Yeah right. Yeah, they were trying to win and compete, and they got in their own way by spending fifty million bucks on Ilya Brzezgalov. Yeah. And then it forces you to trade Bobrovsky. This time around with Carter Hart, I, I know how much attention and focus has been in this market of trying to get a, a solid number one that you can count on. And they have that. Mm-hmm. But now he's arrived at a time when you don't want to be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a conundrum. Shit eh? does yeah. not work <laughs> out ever. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. You're right. You're right, Frank. That's exactly. Yeah. You forget what the psychology of it all, right? It's I, I can't. Timing. I'll never forget, by the way. Um, 
I, I was in Vegas for the NHL awards and there was sort of this idea out there that, um, you know, the flyers were going to finally solve their goaltending issues. And I was walking in the casino to go to like one of the NHL events. And I, I ran into Ed Snyder and I had seen some of the speculation and I said, Hey, like, have you heard about this Brisgaloff thing? What's going on? And he goes, what do you mean? What's going on? And he's like, I did it. And I was he's like, I was the one who helped us get Brisgaloff. And I was like, Oh my God. I could like run back to my keyboard. Like flyers are getting Brisgaloff. Like, this is awesome. Oh, that's cool. Oh man. Yeah. I think um, I think he's still getting paid, is he not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or maybe 20, not. Twenty eight guys. Uh, yeah, oh my yeah. god, amazing! It'd be nice to get that check great, every great, <laughs> great agent. July one or whatever yeah. it is. Um, I had a question quickly. Uh, I know you got you're busy as hell. We appreciate you, uh, Frank, taking the time with us and making us smarter. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Toronto's pick was that a surprise? Because I thought that I had read this kid was like a little bit maybe third round, second, third round. Yeah, he, a lot of people had him. Um, Easton Cowan is his name. They had yep. him in the late fifties, early sixties, and I'm. Uh, I, I just want to be totally clear. Like I, I've got enough on my plate chasing thirty-two teams. Outside of really the top ten players in the draft, I I don't know jack shit about. Yeah. So I'm not going to sit here and and profess to anyone that. Um, I know, or I've seen Easton Cowan, the people that I trust, the scouts that actually do the work, um, the draft expert that I have on staff here at daily Faceoff, Stephen Ellis, who did an incredible job this year. Um, a lot of people seem to think it's a reach, but look, I, I'm not going to knock anyone in what they see because there's plenty of players every year that if everyone saw it consensus, they, you know, guys that go on to play a thousand games wouldn't get picked in the fifth round. Right. So, you know, if you see something you like, I'm never going to knock someone for going to get it because he apparently had a really quiet regular season and then was awesome in the playoffs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. point, point of game. Yeah. I don't know if like maybe the Leafs own recent playoff woes remind them that they need guys that actually show up when it counts. <laughs> um, maybe that's what did it for them, but um, I don't know. It'd be curious to see what happens. And I also kind of liked that if you noticed Brad tree living, their new GM there had their pro their head scout uh, Wes Clark make the pick. And part of it, I think was because Calgary didn't allow Brad tree living to be at the table until the pick was made. But the other part of it is, Maybe it was just he's sending the head scout up there to make the pick, essentially reminding everyone, hey, not my guy. Yeah. Quickly, too, it's it's funny you said that because uh, our, our friend and our partner uh, with Nation Network, uh, Jay Rosehill, I was watching him the other day, and he was talking about Marner and respectfully saying he just feels like he's a little soft. One of my questions was, quickly, do you think, any of those big guys there in Toronto get moved. But the other thing that I found funny was Rosie goes, I'm not even sure he could lift the, lift Stanley the cup <laughs> He's yeah. strong enough to lift the Stanley cup. <laughs> Fuck. I was I, laughing, but anyway, I did see that. And Rosie is unreal. Um, I love that. He has absolutely no filter Yeah, and can't wait to, uh, we have a two hour free agent special on Saturday from 11 to one. Jay Rosehill will be on the panel with Mike McKenna. I'll be there breaking some signings if I can and whatever I can get my hands on. So it should be a fun two hours because we, we had Rosie on for the trade deadline. Yeah. And uh, the, the Calgary Flames and Coyotes made a trade where they swapped brothers. Like one of the Richie brothers went to Arizona and one went to, uh, to Calgary. And on air, Rosie was like, do you think they could just leave their girlfriends there too? Who else would say that? Yeah, right. Yeah. On on like a big, <laughs> you know, trade deadline special. So oh, can't wait to great. see what he's cooking up for Saturday. Yeah, but, for um, sure. I was gonna bring that up. Your guys' show uh, this Saturday at uh, from eleven to one. That's awesome. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. And and uh, with the Leafs, like, here's the thing: 
William Nylander, this contract negotiation, I don't want to say it's coming down to the wire because it doesn't really have a deadline, but I do think that if they hit a dead end and they feel like they can't get a deal done, that Brad True Living won't be afraid to trade him. He's been down hmm. this path before with the same agent, Johnny Gaudreau and William Nylander, both have uh, are represented by Lewis Gross. And I think there's probably some scar tissue there from how that played out with Johnny. And oh, yeah. I just I don't foresee a world in which this time around Brad Tree Living goes through it and says, you know what, we're just going to have Nylander play out the season and he can walk for nothing. I just I don't see that being the case. Right. Yeah. Right. Good point. And before we let you go, Frank, obviously free agency tomorrow. Um, you know, maybe maybe your top three available free agents. Uh, what, what's uh, what's going on in the free agency market? Yeah. So it's. Um, it's a thin class this year, which mm -hmm. is why our show is only two hours instead of four. Um, <laughs> it's some have called it the worst free agent class that we've seen. And I would tend to agree. And it's interesting that you asked about the top three, because the top three guys on my board are Dimitri Orlov, Tyler Bertuzzi and JT Comfer. Mm. And they're kind of for, for typical free agents, they're sort of actually in the mid tier of how the NHL structures its pay scale. They're probably going to be anywhere from like five to $7 million on an AAV. So nothing huge, huge money that's going to be paid out. But I think the real intrigue in this free agent class isn't in the top 10 and where guys like Ryan O'Reilly or Michael Bunting or um, Tristan Jari end up going. For me, it's somewhere between 25 and 50 if you are a contending team that we're now entering a fourth straight season of a flat cap, you got to find value somewhere. And I think, you know, the fact that you're not shopping at, at Gucci or Louis Vuitton, you can still get some decent things at Walmart. And that's mm. sort of the, the world in which these players are on the pay scale living in um, that teams could get their hands on to fill out their bottom six, to fill out their third pair that I think there's some real value out there to be had. Awesome. Yeah, it's interesting. I look forward to watching your show. It's, it's uh, I, I'm hoping like for some trades too, you know? Like yeah. A little, some, a little, little movement, a little action. But uh, I think there will be, honestly, yeah. I think there's enough guys also of contracts that teams are going to try and move before even the buyout window closes on Friday at 5 PM. Um, there's going to be a lot of action. And the cool part about this summer guys is it's not, it used to be like, there's such a crazy frenzy on July 1st that like July 2nd, you could kind of like turn your phone off and go fishing. Now this is going to linger for a bit. It's going to yep. take some time for free agents to get where they're going. And it also means that because there was such a quick turn from the draft to free agency, usually there's a week to 10 days. Teams are the trade part is also going to linger on too. Like there's so many guys still available that I think could change hands. Um, yeah. That'll be interesting. It will be interesting. Well, we appreciate you, Frank. I know you're still recovering there and got, uh, <laughs> you got some prep to do before your show. So we appreciate you hopping on, sharing yeah. your wisdom. Uh, always good to spend some time with you guys and uh yeah just time to detox so I can... <laughs> water Beautiful. water man yeah Get right you. gotta hydrate yeah that's it all right brother we really appreciate you man appreciate yeah, you have a good one guys all right a big thank you to frank cervelli hopping on a little under the weather from oh i his trip to when Nash. you're there it's hard it's hard not to have it's a fun. lot of work it's those drinks start flowing it's not like Vegas where they're pumping the oxygen, but they're pumping everything <laughs> else in there. Oh, yeah. Like you said, there's a lot going on. And uh, uh, my uh, coach with the Rebels, uh, GM and coach, uh, he messaged me and uh, Justin Hale, sorry. He uh, messaged me and he was like, I see the big boy over here. I'm in Tootsie's. It was uh, like, I said, you can go over and fuck slap him. He's like, no way. He's like, he's like, no, nah. but I said, you go say hi. And he, I asked him the next day. He said, ah, I didn't want to bug him. He goes, he's like, I was a little intimidated by him. Uh, yeah, I'm he, like that pigeon. <laughs> he's soft. He should have. Uh, well, speaking of Tootsie's, that was a great, uh, little line one liner from, uh, Billy Garen. Yeah. Le leading the draft there. That was great. He got up there. What he, he said, uh, I'd like to thank Tootsie's for hydrating our, our yeah. people while we've been here. Yeah. Oof. Pretty, 
pretty classic that's comment a great from a, place from a legend have. that is he is a legend billy g love that guy um but yeah thanks to frank man he's got a lot on his plate right now oh, yeah. just finished the draft now they've got the free agent uh frenzy which he obviously said you know it's not as good as normal uh, or not as big names kind of a second tier mm-hmm. uh with the, with the free agents but it's still hopefully there's a lot of trades like we said and um make it interesting anyway yeah. i know you'll be glued to the tv uh, you tomorrow know, rigs i love this analogy like gucci <laughs> yeah that was good yeah that was and good. then the yeah. one in the, in the walmart and the target so you, you know get good things there you get some good things there yeah yeah, yeah. it's not all it's not always about the gucci and the and the Product. Well, I mean, a lot of times it is. Uh, <laughs> no. I know you're Just big kidding. dog and all that stuff. Oh, uh, well, no, I wouldn't say that, but uh, got a backpack. <laughs> <laughs> got the <laughs> luggage, too? God, don't you see my the Louis The Louis V? <laughs> I do not. I do not. Um, um, I think it's that time, Nast. Is it time? Oh, is it ever? Clear questions brought to our friends by Clear Rum. Make sure people... You go to the site, Nasty2023, for 35% off. Got to get it. Hydrate. Hydrate. It's the best. Ready to rock your baller. Let's go. Let's go. We got Nikki T1428 over on Instagram. Mm. He says, now that the draft is over, how long do you think the rebuild will take? Two to four years, question mark? Well, great question. You know, and I think... The way Frank described Mitchkov and his contract status and why rush it, you know, Russian, er, er, Russian. why rush it? Yeah. Uh, early on in, in the in the in the rebuild process, I think that three-year contract probably falls right in the middle of yeah. right where that sweet spot where they want to be. So, I, I would think three years probably. Yeah, I would think two is a little too soon. Yeah. You know, um, but. Yeah, three to but four. But I think, th- yeah, I mean, three should be realistic, Yeah, I would think, right? Especially, you know, planning on having him come in at that time. But you'd like to think that some of these pieces uh, have evolved enough or they add these, these surrounding pieces, the missing pieces, um, and, and, and the, the chemistry and everything kind of comes to yeah. a head at that time. So I, I'm saying three years. Uh, I'm certainly not, no specialist on rebuilds. But, right, um, yeah. but I'd like to think that they got a nice core to start with here, you know, and I know that Danny B's actively, you know, uh, shopping guys around and trying to make the team better every day here. So, yeah, he's getting as many assets as he can. I mean, that's fortunately you got to, like we said earlier, you got to tear it down to build it back up and uh, be guys you don't want to see go, but if he can get enough for them, you know, like you said, in these next three years and you have Mishkov coming over, uh, you know, it's it's definitely the way to do it, yeah. and I I don't think two years, but I'd say three to four, and you're you've got a pretty damn good team. Yeah, if it's done. You know, if they get the breaks, you also need luck. You do when, when you're we're dealing with this stuff, and um, yeah. So we'll see, but yeah, that's a great question. I would I would say three minimum. Yeah, you know, so I like it. Yep, we got one from Beer League Zero over on Twitter, boys. Seems like a high-risk, high-reward pick with Matvey Mitchkov. Is his career going to turn out like the movie Rocky or more like Rocky Five? <laughs> oh, oh. Boy, wow. Well, I mean, watching, I mean, we, not, we don't know. It's like Frank said, we'll look back in four years and see where all these first-round picks are. So it's hard to say, but my goodness, watching, watching this kid play, like seeing the highlights. Obviously, we haven't watched a full game, but uh, – from what we've heard from scouts, what we've seen from highlights, like he would be a number one pick any other draft. Yeah. The door wasn't there, like Frank said. And, yeah. um, you know, to me, it's a huge pickup. It's, he really seems like he does want to come. Yeah. In NHL. That's... So I think, I think this is a win. Well, yeah. And <clears throat> Frank uses words like <clears throat> grand slam, home run, yeah, slam upper dunk, deck, upper, upper deck. deck. I mean, yeah. Um, and he's not the only guy that heard you know talk like that. And then I, I watched Danny B's uh, interview uh, post draft and, and talked about you know, talked about Mitchkoff and how he really wanted to be a flyer. You know, Flyers obviously a global brand, um, um, and and just the the same type of essence around how he was talking. Like the, this the, this guy is is special, right? And and I think a lot of people knew that there was obviously. 
that that risk around the contract and you know and and you know being in Russia and all that. But uh, I think if everything goes the way you know you, you'd expect and, and hope, I mean, yeah, he's going to be a, like an elite elite player in in, yep. in the league and obviously for the Flyers. That's what you're hearing. Words like special, elite, you know, game changer. Yeah, all these things. So. Um, I think Danny knocked it out of the park, yeah. like Frank said. Yeah, I agree. Last one. This is from Notorious PIG. Oh, Sends hey. us a lot of questions. Thank you for that. Yes. What are the challenges when a player doesn't speak English? Yeah. Um, you know, I could speak for a couple guys I played with. They conveniently don't understand the coach at times. Yeah, conveniently. <laughs> um yeah, obviously there's, uh, you know, a communication block there. But I think, you know, in hockey terms, I think with, you know, the technology, uh, you know, just whiteboards and, and yeah. hockey rinks, yeah. you know, I think you can get a pretty good uh, idea of what the coach is saying based on tone and, you know, mm -hmm. and situations. I mean, these guys are elite hockey players, right? right? I mean, they're not, you know, coming out of, you know, the woodworks and, you know, trying to grasp a new game. So... Um, but obviously, like anything, if we, if we went over to Russia, it'd probably be, it'd probably be a little bit challenging, yes. you know, maneuvering around and just the everyday basic things. Um, but I think as far as hockey goes, I think I think you can communicate your yeah. message. I mean, you've been around a lot of yeah. Europeans. We've had situations where kids came for development camp that haven't really learned English, and uh, Slava Kuznetsov, who's yeah. uh, you know skating coach over there, is conveniently there and was always able to help. Uh, you know when Big Z Zabula came over, he, he you know now he can speak. But um, also with Michkov, he he he's got three years. Yeah. So I'm sure one of the things he's going to start doing is you yeah know, maybe, brushing up on his English. Yeah, but it's it's happened. We've we've seen it happen. Uh, I've dealt with it before. Even Bob when uh, yeah, Bob, Sergey Bobrovsky right. came in, he could say hi yeah and literally the guy worked and, so and hard green tea. and drink green tea that was after about four days <laughs> yeah, so he had already yeah. learned that right but uh with sergey he came in and he was doing english lessons twice a day yeah and literally in two weeks you you could speak to him which yeah. to me was amazing um but uh I, I think they'll be able to get around it. but that that is a great question it really is you do have guys come in that they they can't speak, but you hope by the time uh, Mishkov gets here, you know he's he's got a little bit of an understanding of the English yeah. Language. I agree. I think just navigating around is is probably the more challenging. But I yeah. think as far as communicating hockey stuff, again, like he's been around hockey long enough, right? Understands what's you know what the expectations are, yeah. nuts and bolts of the game. You know, again, coach's tone. I mean, I'm pretty sure Torts will will let you know. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, one way or another, uh, what what, he, what he's looking for, if he, you know, if he, obviously if he's still around, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll be fine. He'll figure yeah, it out too. sooner than later. So appreciate the questions. Yes. Thanks, Baller. That's a wrap. Episode one twenty one in the books. Yes, and we'll tune in next week for one twenty two. Until then, stay safe, knuckleheads. See ya.